All right, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And I'm your host, for those that know and those that don't know, I'm Justin Felton. And thank you all for get, again for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. I know it's been a while. It's been a several weeks. It's, you know, been busy, been trying to gather stuff, trying to get, you know, it's whatever, right? But I'm here with you. I'm glad to be with you again, huh? And today, what the title says, no more preseason and thank God. And main reason why is because we walked out of there with a mostly healthy squad because the injury bug has not been kind to my team. And I also hope, believe it or not, whether it's the Dallas Cowboys can't stand y'all, the Las Vegas Raiders can't stand y'all. The Seahawks can't stand y'all or any other team. I hope your team is healthy, for the most part healthy, so the excuses cannot build up. So there's no more excuses. And yes, we know uh, injuries will occur. We know injuries do occur. But you want to always start the season off with everybody intact, if that's at all possible. And no major injuries. And if they are going to be injuries, it's only going to keep them sidelined for a few weeks. That's why they got the temporary PUP list, physically unable to perform list, that keeps them out four weeks when they can come back after two. So, all right, without further ado, I will be talking about, um, you know, the topics going into the season. I will be talking about my team. The San Francisco 49ers, the greatest team on planet Earth of all time. Of course you know that. In your mind you know that. Of course, a lot of you haters can't stand it. But of course, okay. But we're talking about the topics around the league. And a couple of them evolve around my 49ers. And I hate that it does. But without further ado, let's dive into it. Like we are going to find some kind of lost treasure or the city of Atlantis or something down below in the depths. Okay, enough of that. All right, let's talk about, uh, you know, we can t- start with the front office, the coaching, the players, you know, that. And we're going to talk about the front office and, you know, I, I say the front office has been average this year. They've been hit and miss. They've been average. Not so good, not so bad. Okay. We're going to talk about the front office's free agency moves. This determines have, have they been good or bad via trades, free agents, drafting, everything. Let's talk about who they signed. They signed uh, various Ward, one of the best corners in the NFL, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs. We need corners because we've been pretty thin at corner. Definitely needed him. And, you know, that was a good signing. Safety. We signed safety George Odom of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, the Colts aren't known to have a great, you know, uh, you know, defensive players, but he was one of their better players on the team 
And I do think he will help us. And plus, he will be a special teams guy. Because we are thin at safety. That's a primary concern of the team right now. We've signed Ray Ray McLeod, which, you know, speed, speed, speed. Shanahan loves speed. And he's a great special teams guy. Uh, definitely, that was a primary concern last year. I mean, we were off on special teams. And he will be battling to be the number three or four receivers. I still think he will make the team because you need a special team guy that can fly. So he'll he'll be playing. He'll have a significant role in the offense. We signed linebacker Oren Burks. Now, the Packers aren't known to have a lot of great defensive talent, and Oren Burks is clearly like the fourth guy on the linebacking unit. He's not better than Fred Warner, of course. He's not better than uh, Al Shazier. He's not better than Dre Greenlaw. He is behind those guys, but he is definitely a great added piece for depth. You know, good pickup there. We signed D-Lyman Hassan Ridgeway. Another good pickup for depth reasons. You know, um, the, the, linemen, the, the Niners have so many D-Lyman, man. I get so tired of them signing D-Lyman. It's like we got enough of them, dude. We got more than enough. If one go down, we got so many more. And they all seem to contribute something good to the team. It's been the strength of the team. For uh, since Chip Kelly was the coach, it has definitely been the strength of the team, no doubt. We signed back uh, Kerry Hyder, which we should not have let go last year because he was the pass rush in 2020. He had the most sacks on the team with eight and a half, and that was a career high in his career. He goes to Seattle and don't do a whole lot. He comes back with us, I guarantee you, he could give us pretty much similar production of what he did in 2020. Welcome back, Kerry Hyder. He is definitely a good backup for uh, Nick Bosa and can play well on the other side along with Drake Jackson. Now let's talk about who we lost, and I'm pissed off because the first name that pops up is, you know, is Lakin Tomlinson. He was our best old lineman outside of Trent Williams. Before Trent Williams came, he was our best old lineman. And we let him go to the New York Jets. I'm not happy with that at all. You have to keep your old lineman. Those are studs. They hard to come by. Old line is hard to get right. You can't let your best players go at those positions. Not there. We lost D-Lyman DJ Jones to the Broncos. DJ Jones was big for us. Been big for us. Always been big for us. And we let him go. Not happy about that either. We lost k Williams. He was growing on me, man. He was good for us, man. We let him go. And, but... We have a, it seems like we found a stud at slot. More on him in a minute. He goes to the Broncos as well. We lost Tom Compton to the Broncos. Eh, not big on Compton. He wasn't all that good. He was not a good pass blocker, but he was pretty good at run blocking. Eh, if we'd have kept him, I wouldn't have cared. If we lose him, I don't care. Eh, 
We lost Raheem Mostert, of course, um, because Elijah Mitchell had a breakout year, even though he was hurt. But Mostert's problem is injuries. He stays hurt a lot, but that speed cannot be denied. He was the fastest dude in the league. And the Dolphins picked up themselves a speedster who was, is going to be their feature back. He just got to stay healthy. Hate to see him go, but, you know, running backs come a dime a dozen. You can get them anywhere in any round. We lost uh, Trent Sherfield. Now, he was our second best or second consistent wide receiver. No disrespect to Debo, but Ayuk was our first guy, our main guy as a wide receiver. And then there was Trent Sherfield. They were using Debo as a weapon, you know, in the backfield as well as a receiver. But Sherfield was definitely our receiver. The guy we went to in, you know, third and shorts and stuff like that. Hate to see him go, but we got... Two guys uh, in the receiving core, I think, could fill that void nicely. We lost wide receiver River Craycraft to the Dolphins. Well, okay, maybe he'll be something with Mike McDaniel, but he didn't show me anything. So, okay, don't feel any personal loss there. We lost Richie James Jr. to the New York Giants. Now, Another guy who had a lot of speed, but he couldn't utilize his talent to be a wide receiver. So good luck with Daniel Jones as your quarterback, who I think could be a good quarterback if he just cut down on all his mistakes. Sorry, guys, I got to keep my whistle wet, man, when I'm talking, because once your throat starts getting dry, it feels... You know, now how'd that go? We lost Arden Key. Arden Key was kind of inconsistent, but he made big plays for us. And then there were times he wasn't making big plays for us. Um, we got so many D linemen, man. I mean, you know, okay, let a couple of them go. We lost Kentavious Street. I like that dude, man. Wish we could have kept him, but, you know. Big ups of breaking Drew Brees' ribs because I don't like Drew Brees. He was a crybaby, you know, and plus he was, um, you know, his stance on certain stuff, I won't feel him. So thank you for breaking that clown's ribs. Punk ass. Sorry. <laughs> All right, we lost Trent Cannon, man. This was a guy, this guy's from VA, so... Excuse me if I'm being a little a bit of a homer, but this guy, y'all got to admit, was showing promise. And then the concussion got him in that Seattle game, and it derailed him, and we let him go to the Titans. Like, oh, come on, man. But we had so many running backs, but he was good on special teams. He did commit a turnover in the uh, first Seattle game, you know, that, that, that cost us the game, or part of the reason we was cost the game. But the potential was there for him. And I hope he does well with Tennessee. Do it for VA, my boy. All right, we re-resigned re Jeff Wilson Jr. Yes, love, always love Jeff Wilson, man. Team guy. Uh, Jermichael Hasty, always liked him. Juwan Jennings, I like him, but he's not been having a good camp so far. He's, you know, he's got he's had butterfingers. 
dropping easy balls, I'm hearing. You know, putting the ball where only you can catch it and you drop it. I hate that. As a person who played wide receiver, I hate it. And I dropped my share of balls, but they would always say, yeah, man, you tried your best to stretch your body to get that ball, but he threw it a uh, little bit out your range. But, you know, coaches hate when you drop easy passes, bro. Ross Dwelly, yes, I've always liked Ross Dwelly. He doesn't drop a pass. The dude can block. He can do everything. Will he ever be able to take over the first spot over Kittle? A lot of you said, no way. He ain't Kittle. He ain't better than Kittle. Eh. Um, I think he runs better routes than Kittle. That's about it. But um, he's a good second option to have, man. I think they utilize him. They'll, they'll need to utilize him more this year because Kittle has an injury history. Ross Dwelly does not. Um, Offensive lineman Jake Brundle. Eh. They say he's having a pretty stellar camp. Or a solid camp. So we'll see uh, if he's going to be the starting center come week one. Daniel Brunskill, <sighs> he's been hurt and he seemed like he's taking a step back. So, you know, we're going to have to watch that as well. Old lineman, Colton McKivitt, eh, he's had a rough camp, bro. Yeah, rough camp, man. That right side is going to be a problem if they can't get it together. Uh, defensive lineman Rory's Hurst, he's out for the year, but, you know, like I said, all the D linemen, they seem to, when they play the part, they play the part well, man. Get well soon, we'll see you next year. Jordan Willis, yes, I like Jordan Willis. Like I said, again, like I just said, same with Kevin Givens, like these dudes. Al Shair, love the guy. Uh, Flanagan Bowles been big for us. We got more depth at linebacker than I realized and with him and Warren Burks back there, if something happens to any of our linebackers, we good. All right. All right, and I want to dabble into what the uh, coaches, what I think of the coaches, and what I think of uh, their schemes and what they need to do, what they should do, what they're going to do, and stuff. So without further ado, we can talk about the coaches. Um. Starting with head coach Mike Shanahan. All right. We all know that Mike Shanahan is hands down probably the best play caller in the game. But I want to I want to explain something to y'all the audience out there. There's a difference between being a great play caller and a great coach. Do you know, want to know? Excuse me. Do you want to know what that is? Okay. I'm going to explain it to you. Play callers, they dabble in the X's and O's. Ooh, let's try this. Let's try this play. Let's try that play. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's fancy. That's this and this and that. But being a coach is how well you manage situations. All the great coaches in sports, they know how to do one thing. Manage in crucial situations. Do I need to name all the great coaches? Not even in sports, but let me just give you a few. Let me give you a few guys. 
Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, Joe Torrey. Just to name some guys. I'm just naming guys that's popping in my head, but I'm not going to name any more. Kyle Shanahan doesn't fall into that category yet. And as a 49er fan, for his sake, I'm truly hoping so. Because the way the media hypes him up, they hype him up like he's the second coming of Jesus. Best thing since sliced cheese. He has a strong and great support system among the analysts and the media. Whereas most guys who have done boneheaded stuff, like let's say Matt Nagy, would get picked apart by them same guys. But do you want to know why that is? Because he's not a part of that go-along, get-along gang stuff. See, you got to get affiliated. Your support system becomes better, and that's what Kyle has. If Kyle wants to be regarded as a great coach, not just a play caller, but a great coach, he's going to learn. got to learn to manage situations well. And he's not done that when he's with the Niners. Look at the Super Bowl. Hell, go back to the Super Bowl with Atlanta. Look at the NFC title game. Is it in his DNA to do so? We'll see if he's learned from his mistakes, but, you know, I'm very concerned about his coaching in crucial situations. Not his play calling, his coaching. Like I said, all those coaches that I've uh, named, they've all won multiple titles because they know how to manage in situations. Kyle, learn from them, get on their level, you'll be all right. All right, defensive uh, coordinator um, D'Amico Ryan's vast improvement. Remember earlier last year, the Niners' defense wasn't looking so hot, and you could not blame that on health or injury. D'Amico Ryan's uh, seemed to have what I call Lovey Smith disease. Lovey Smith is a good defensive coordinator, but his problem is. He schemed one way and one way only, no matter what. And they, they, he seemed to coach the same scheme, like a Tampa 2 type scheme where they play so off of the receivers that they, they often would give up big plays. And also the wide nine, you know, wasn't really working. The, the, the defense looked very ordinary last year during the first seven or eight games. It wasn't until that Monday night game against the Rams where they turned it all around. And then the light bulb went off in his head and said, that's it. Also, Kyle's coaching on offense didn't really help because, you know, instead of, uh, well, the running backs had started getting hurt and, you know, he didn't have a plan B. So he said, okay, maybe I can put Debo in the backfield and it worked. But also that's what worked for uh, D'Amico Ryans. He made a few tweaks, made a few changes, suggested and demanded guys get up tighter on the receivers, uh, you know, preached gap control and the light bulb went off in his head. He seems to gotten it. And from the reports in camp, it seems like the secondary could be in battle to be the strength of the defense. Something the Niners defense ain't had um, 
as far as the secondary being the strength of the defense since probably the 80s. You remember when Ronnie Lott and Eric uh, Wright and Dwight Hicks was back there in the early, uh, early and mid-80s? That was the strength of the defense for the most part. And since then, you know, you know, it's been the linebackers a, a number of years and now the D-linemen a number of years. But it looks like this secondary, if healthy, and we can keep it all together, could make a bid to be the strength of the defense. Just might. Just might. That's all I'm saying is... Um, and we got other young coaches on the staff, too. You know... I just hope we can keep them all and they don't get snatched up by other teams because remember, when you're good, teams aim for your coaches. They want your coaches, they want your players, and they want your personnel. They want your, your, your anybody in the front office and stuff like that. You know, they want Lynch's assistants. They want, you know, Lynch wants whoever's assistants and stuff like that. So, you know, it's important that you beg them to stay with the team so you can have some continuity. Continuity is important in sports, especially team sports. Team team sports, well, actually sports in general, because I'm going to give you an example. Mike, Mike Tyson had custom motto for the first, uh, what is it, four or five years of his boxing career when he was, what was he, 15 to about 20, and then custom motto had passed away. And it seemed like, after Gus passed away, it just wasn't the same. And then when he suffered his first loss, it, it you know, it, it clearly showed. Because why? With Custom Motto, he had continuity. You know, Cus got Mike to turn on the light bulb in his hand that he got it. And even after Cus died, Mike was winning fights for the next three or four years. But you could clearly see that they were trying to change him. And then when he had his first loss, it showed to Buster Douglas. So continuity is important. Even Iron Mike will tell you that. All right. So, you know, oh yeah, the special teams coach. I don't know if we made a change to the special teams coaching or something like that, or we just making an effort to get better on special teams with special teams was the biggest concern last year besides corner. Corner and special teams. The cornerbacks coaches seem to uh, probably be better. You know, they seem to probably be getting it. We don't know. We'll see. But just going, going by what I hear in camp, the corners have been doing pretty good. Most of them. And that's all you ask for. You need most of the corners or the secondary to be halfway decent because it is extremely hard for the secondary to be good in a pass-happy era where if you get close to a guy, they will throw a flag. So this is why I'm not as hard on corners as I would be a receiver because the Rules are stacked in favor of a receiver. They are not as stacked in favor of a corner. And back to the special teams, I think with the addition of Ray Ray McLeod and what I've seen in the preseason game, you know, I do see an improvement. A improvement, that's all you can ask for. A improvement is 
good enough. I don't expect them to go from worst to first. Though I don't know if we were the worst special teams, but we had to be down at the bottom. But AA improvement, let's say we were ranked 26th in the league. If they can be ranked, let's say, 15th in the league, I'll take that. I'll take that with a heartbeat. Um, have I covered everything with coaching? Have I covered everything with... I, I'm going to say this about John Lynch. John Lynch knows football, but problem is with John Lynch is he lacks the aggression factor. I mean, look at Les Snead. Les Snead came from the school of Carmen Policy. Carmen Policy had no filter on free agents or anything. If he wanted it, he was going to get it. And if he didn't get it, he was going to try his damnedest to get it. Carmen Policy was that dude. We need some Carmen Policy in that front office, bro. I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, Lynch has done a pretty good job, but it seems like his, his his conservatism is holding him back from really getting some special players and drafting, you know, the guys you know could be good in this league right off the bat. You know, instead he drafts these guys that stay hurt and he wants to give them a chance. I get that. But guys getting hurt or staying hurt ain't winning you football games. And you got to force to trade them away, hope to get some draft capital back and, you know, hope to get a stud and stuff. Just go ahead and get the guy who's more pro ready and who's more durable. Even if that means you got to spend more than a dollar to get it, just go ahead and get it. Look at Les Snead. He just won a Super Bowl. Your crosstown rivals down the street in L.A. In the division. Where's your pride at, John? Come on, let's have some pride, man. Let's go and get it. Next year, you'll have a little bit more money to spend. Let's go and get it. All right. We're going to uh, move to talking about the players position by position. Right, right, right. Safeties. I'm not going to break down each and every player because I don't want to go through all of that because a lot of you guys might not even be on the team by the time I'm I'm uh uh by the time I'm done with this podcast. Like, what well, well, that I just talked about him like he was going to make the team. No, nah, man. Um all right. I'm going to start from the secondary on down to the quarterback. Let me wet my whistle here right quick. Alkaline water, get you some. Free advertisement. Okay. Okay. Let me stop touring around with y'all on that. All right, the safeties. The safety position is kind of a primary concern for us because we are kind of thin there. And... Uh, Jimmy Ward and like maybe two other guys have looked good in camp. But Talanoa Hafunga has been kind of hit and miss. He's been inconsistent. They're saying there are days where he makes a couple of good plays and then there's days, you know, he's scratching his head like what to do. And remember, he has taken over for Jaquaski Tart, who is good. He just couldn't catch the ball. Uh, he has no interceptions in his career. Let's just hope that he's halfway as good as Jaquaski Tart and reading the defense, closing out, you know, 
playing cleanup like Jaquaski Tart was. Because we know Jimmy Ward can. Jimmy Jimmy Ward is probably the second best player on the defense as far as leadership and skill set. Him and Fred Warner are the two best guys. Then, you, of course, people say Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, skill-wise, might be the best. But overall, as far as leadership, is Jimmy Ward. We know what Jimmy Ward is going to do. Jimmy Ward has been a beast at his position for the past three or four years, and he's finally getting his just due in the top 100. I remember when Jimmy Ward first came in the league. He was a first-round pick at corner, and he stunk the high heaven. He was trash. He was garbage. He was glad bag at that position. And then after year three, they said, okay, we're going to move you to the safety position. And from then on there, I knew he was going to be good at that position because he was a great tackler. Uh, he was great against the run, and he was always uh, around. He was always around the ball. When it came to runs, he sucked at pass coverage one on one, but he was always around the ball, you know, winning the trenches and stuff like that. And safeties are known to do that, like Jamal Adams and those guys. So I said, yeah, he's going to be good at safety. And, you know, now he's the guy on defense. He's the leader. He's the de facto leader on defense. So we know what you're going to get from him. Um, Tavarius Moore, I've heard he's having a hit and miss camp. Uh, and a couple of other guys. The corners, I heard the corners are doing really good except for Ambry Thomas. That's something that puts a huge smile on my face to hear that almost all of the corners are doing pretty solid at camp. That's something the Niners have not had since I don't know how long. The Niners have not had a very good secondary collectively since maybe you can say Harbaugh for the two or three years. I'll take that. But as far as five, six, seven, eight years plus since the eighties, since Ronnie Lott and Eric Wright and those guys came, Dwight Hicks and those guys. Well, some of y'all might say nineties with Dion and uh, 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 Merton Hanks and Eric Davis, uh, they were they were kind of hit and miss there too. But uh, Merton Hanks was a very good, he was a beast at safety. Eric Davis was a little hit and miss. He had a good couple of years in the league. He was a good solid player. But now nah, I take that eighties uh, secondary over them any day with Ronnie Lott and them. Uh, the linebackers, you know, the linebackers for a while, for a stretch there, a long stretch, was the strength of the defense. Dating back to, no, not Keena Turner, uh, dating back to uh, Plummer and those guys, and then Ulbrich and Peterson came, and then with Patrick Willis and, and, <laughs> and Navarro Bowman, uh, pain and suffering came, you know, for for a long stretch, the linebackers were the strength of the team. And we still got a good core linebackers, but they're not the strength of the team, though. But that's okay. They don't need to be because the strength of the team is the D-line. But, you know, hopefully we get Warner back to being the Warner of 2020 and not 2021 because he had a down year. Al Shair playing like he was last year and a healthy Dre Greenlaw. This 
linebacking crew is gonna be a force to to be deal be dealt with. You know. And then of course we got Flanagan Bowles and uh uh, uh Orrin Burks backing them up and uh a few other guys. You know, whoo, watch out for these seek and destroy guys. Then, you know, we get to the D line. We know what Bosa is. Do I need to talk about Bosa, the player? Nah, because Bosa's a beast. Bosa's going to get his. Bosa, this year, I think, will have himself a 15-sack season. But it might be a little low on some people's standards because he's Bosa. But I said, look, this year, he's going to have help on the other side. We got Kerry Hyder Jr. back. We got Drake Jackson, who looked pretty damn fantastic in preseason. In preseason, he looked good. Let's see if it, that translates on the field. But if you can get five sacks apiece from Hyder and Drake Jackson, Bosa's going to get his because who are they going to block? And then you can add Armstead on the interior in the mix. You know, if he can be disruptive and not be out of position in plays, there you have it. Then you got uh, Givens and Willis and all the other guys on the D-line, man. Woo! My only concern is, has D'Amico Ryan figured out how to not get exposed in wide nine? And are these guys focused and made it an effort, a conscious effort, to gap discipline, gap control, because if they can stop the run, if they can be the 12th of the, let's say they can be the 12th best running team, <laughs> this team, this defense is going to be number one. This defense can be number one with them being the 12th best running uh, running defense. I think their pass defense has been top three or four the last three or four years, despite the injury. I'm not worried about the pass defense. But that wide nine needs to be cleaned up. Let's see what they do with that. All right. Moving on to the O-line. It is Trent Williams on the left side and a bunch of what-ifs across the board. This is a primary concern, folks, for my team is the offensive line. Ugh. Why did it have to be the O-line? Why did it have to be the O-line that was my primary concern? I told somebody on Facebook that the O-line was a concern, and they just waved it off with their hands in their pocket. Oh, they're going to be all right. They're going to be a beast. They're going to be top They're gonna be top 10 or something like that. I'm like, oh, stop it. You do not give away your uh, best interior O-lineman and your center retiring and not replace them with somebody of better or equal value equal or better value, excuse me, and hope that they'll be good because now across the board, we got a bunch of unknowns and what ifs. And according to camp, only two guys on the old line outside of Trent Williams looks really good or has looked the best In the preseason game the other night, the, the O-line was looking terrible. It was looking so terrible, Kyle didn't even want to keep Trey in there. More on the quarterbacks in a minute. Oh, 
The O-line is the second most important unit. Or the mo as far as a unit is the most important unit because you have what you think is your franchise quarterback. Now go out and see if he's protected. Make a cut. Excuse me. Make a conscious effort to go out and protect your quarterback. Across the board. He needs the center. He needs a center to be that signal caller. He needs the blindside tackle. The blindside tackle is the second most highest paid person on the team. He needs that. He needs the whole unit, interior. So, you know, that old line, man, I'm very concerned. It was not looking good the other night against the Texans. You know, Mike McGlinchey has not been very consistent. He's been fluctuating his weight when he's when he's when he's of proper weight. He's all right. He's good at times to all right. But when he lost the weight and looked like a wide receiver like me, man, he got he gets bullied. He gets bullied. He's a good run blocker, but he gets bullied in pass protection. Man, I, and plus he's hurt right now. Oh, I'm very concerned. Aaron Banks, they've been dogging that kid. Jake Brundle, uh, you know, I heard he had a solid camp at center, but I don't know if he's the guy, but we'll see. He's probably going to be the starter. Jason Poe, I've heard good things. Burford, I've heard good things. None of them look good uh, the other night. I think Brundle did. Brundle uh, was the only... Saving grace, I guess, but I mean, as a whole, they didn't look good. Okay. On to the running backs. No, no. On to the wide receivers. Excuse me. Um, We got a, I think we have a, a good chance of having a top five unit. Um, But not this year. Maybe next year or the year after, but I think we have a top five unit based on potential. Debo Samuel's a weapon. Forced to reckon with. Good receiver. Drops the ball a lot, but you know, that's on him. He needs to uh he needs to uh work on that. Brandon AU. Very good receiver. With potential to be great. He catches the ball. He's a deep threat. He's a mid-range threat. He can pretty much do it all. Uh, Danny Gray, a deep threat, a speedster. I like what I've seen from him. He needs to learn how to run routes a little bit better and learn how to be a receiver. Once he gets it going, this man could take over as the number one guy. Juwan Jennings, potential is there, but something is something's off with him, man. He's not having a great camp, but he may be one of them guys where he is stinking up in practice, and then come game day, he'll catch five balls for 70 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Some guys are like that, but he's not been having a great camp, but let's hope he gets it together come game day. Ray Ray McLeod, speed, speed, speed. He's looked pretty good, man, from what I've seen. This unit has potential to be very good. And then whoever the sixth guy, I think it's Malik Turner, um, you know, they say he, with little reps, he's been getting, he's been making the most of it. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to see this wide receiver unit the first time in a long time. 
Tight ends. George Kittle, we know what George Kittle will give you. He's the complete package. Yards after the catch. The catch, you know, can go deeper. He can block. He balls people, puts them on their block. He's George Kittle, damn it. Ross Dwelly. Love Ross Dwelly. And 219 Ross Dwelly was like my guy. It was like my favorite player on the team, man. Ross Dwelly. Ross. For Ross, man. Let's go, Ross. Dwelly! I'm channeling in my Charles Barkley. Ginobili! Dwelly! All right. Let me stop that. Um... It was a punch to the gut that they let uh, Tanner Hudson go, man. He was having a pretty good preseason, dog. Hopefully he can clear waivers and put him on the practice squad. And who knows, he might get activated for a couple of games. Charlie Warner, I'm not sure. He hasn't really taken the stuff. He got hurt. I think he's out for the year or out uh, for some significant time. And the others, um, I'm not really sure. All right, the running backs. Oh, man. Again, this running back unit, man. Again, the Niners have a thing for finding good backs. Not been the case with receivers, but tight ends and running backs, we've been we we found studs. O-line, too, but with the exception of this year. But, uh, but more so, we've got what is it, six or seven backs. But only, I think, five can make it. One being on the practice squad. They're going to put Jeff Wilson on the practice squad. He's making it. He's been Mr. Reliable. But who's going to be number one? It's safe to say it's Elijah Mitchell, but his injury history is in question. But we got a guy named Jordan Mason who has speed, power, and vision. That's a running back. That's a starting running back there. Mitchell's got it too, but he's not durable. Jordan Mason, can he stay uh, healthy? If he's got the durability factor, he's going to be our number one come next year. I see it in that guy. Ty Davis Price. Shown flashes. Look out for him. He's going to be number three this year. Number four, Jermichael Hasty. He's our best uh, pass-catching running back out of the backfield. You need that. Kyle likes to use those. You need that. Um, Trey Sermon, you know, hard worker, but he's not going to make it. I think he's going to be on the cutting block. He's not going to make it. And I was in, and nobody was rooting for him more than me because last year he had that breakout game. Uh, he had something like 20 carries for about 150 yards and I think two touchdowns. Man, he had a coming out party in that one game. I think it was the, it was, was it, uh, it was the, I think it was the second game against, um, It was, what was, no, it wasn't Philadelphia. It was the third game or something like that. 
I think we won it, but he had a coming out party. I forgot which game it was, but he had his coming out party, man. And I was so glad because it was like Elijah Mitchell was hurt or Elijah Mitchell gets hurt. We got him. And then it seemed like the second game, Kyle got impatient with him because he wasn't getting seven yards a pop. I was like, well, he's not the type of back that's going to slash through defenses. He's more of a power guy. You know, if he does give you seven yards, that's a plus. But he's a, a, a you know, between the tackles, power guy. If you run a zone blocking scheme, he'll give you um, seven yards every other carry on that. But no. But it, it just seems like his confidence is shot and he's not going to make it. So, fullback. Uh, matter of fact, he's actually, actually, he's played some fullback for a huge check, and they may say, you know what? We need somebody to back up Juice, because remember, Juice is getting older, even though Juice is a beast. He's been durable his whole career. He's been a beast, and he's kind of a huge check. He blocks. He, he he can catch. He can carry the ball, although Kyle, when he has him carrying the ball, has him on fourth and twos against stacked boxes, and he gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage. No fault to Kyle's uh no, no fault of juices, but it's more so on Shanahan. But ju- juice, is, juice is a juice. He's a beast. But if something happens to him, who would be the backup fullback? And I think Sermon could be that guy because he is a pretty good blocker from what I've seen. So, you know, I say they, they should keep Sermon just for that purpose alone. See, in every dark cloud, there lies a silver lining. And his is, he could be the backup fullback and they could split reps because Juice is getting older. Quarterbacks. Um, we got we currently got four quarterbacks. Okay, okay, okay. Now y'all say, woo, now we're talking about the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks on the 49ers have been a topic of discussion, not just with 49ers or the fans, but with national media every day because they know the gold standard of the 49ers is the quarterback. They've had four Hall of Fame quarterbacks with three, but one should be in, but they ain't putting them in. And about three or four very good quarterbacks with short careers. So the standard... There's no other team in the league whose gold standard about quarterback that doesn't have a gold standard more than the 49ers. Dating back to Y.E. Tittle, John Brody, Joe Montana, Steve Young. I'm going in order now. Jeff Garcia. Then you got Alex Smith who had struggled a number of years but finally figured it out. Colin Kaepernick. Now Jimmy G. And now we got Trey Lance. As the starter now. Trey Lance looked good in his first preseason game. Very efficient. Went deep. Threw the bomb to Danny Gray. It was like, yes. He didn't play in the second preseason game. But this preseason game, you know, he didn't look good, but he didn't look bad. The reason why he didn't look good is because he was just basically checking it down and he was running for dear life a la bad O-line and vanilla game plan. 
And it looked like Shanahan wasn't even trying in there. Wasn't even really trying to do anything. You know, it was like, okay, this old line is pretty bad. Uh, take Trey out. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm going to get to the other quarterbacks in a minute. Start with who I'm going to think is going to be number two, then number three, then I'm going to get to the number four. Here's the deal. Trey is raw. We get that. A lot of you say he's not ready. He has, doesn't got a lot of, of experience. That's the downside. Uh, he has to work on some uh, mechanical issues with his accuracy and stuff like that. But here's what going to really make the 49ers more exciting to watch is the vertical game. For the past 20 plus years, the NFL has been a vertical league. Dating back to the Rams' greatest show on turf. And ever since then, that's what it's been with the likes of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, so on and so forth. Now you have the league transitioning into the dual threat league. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, now Trey Lance, Lamar Jackson, and a couple of others. You can throw in Burrow, Herbert, and Mills in there, but they're more pocket guys who can move around. Trey Lance adds that dynamic. Trey Lance can go vertical. Trey Lance is accurate in the vertical game. He's accurate in the mid-range game, if you give him time, despite mechanical arm ish issues right as of right now. He also can use his feet. He also has a, a, a spider sense of avoiding the rush. He senses that his blind side is danger. Oh man, let me let me use my feet, try to make something happen, or I'll take off and go. That's what he adds now. That's what's going to make the offense more exciting as to the last four years. But also, you as the fans out there got to understand, he is going to go through some growing pains. You know, it's best that you be a little patient. Problem is, nobody ever has patience anymore. And we need to get back to that. Because the league is such a win-now league. Everything is now, 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 now. You know, you want him to succeed right away and not go through the struggles. I'd rather for him to go through the struggles early in his career and get it out the way, and then he figures it out by year three or something like that. And from year three to years 17 to 18, he's rocking and rolling. So I think Trey will be fine. He won't have super big numbers, but I think... Um, he will have solid numbers this year if he's healthy and if the O-line can hold up. All right, QB2, I think, is going to be Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has looked good this uh, preseason minus that one pick the other night. But Brock Purdy's looked pretty good, man. 
Brock Purdy is one of them guys that, you know, he's a little undersized, but he's got something to him. You say, yeah, you want him on your team. Don't know if he's starting material, but you'd be like, yeah, I want him on my team. He can probably win a couple of games for us if our starter goes now. But people aren't believing that because he too is a rookie. Number three, Nate Sudfield. Hard worker, God bless him. Um, he's in between backup and third string. I appreciate his work ethic, but I, I don't think he's the backup. I think Purdy is better. And number four is Jimmy G. I mean, okay, can I end this conversation now? Do, do I need to really continue on? I mean, I ain't going to end this podcast on Jimmy's sake, but okay. Jimmy G's experience is what people are looking at, but they're not looking at the big picture with Jimmy. Let's go through the pros and cons or the positives and negatives with Jimmy. Starting with the positives of Jimmy. Jimmy G is an experienced quarterback. He has a great winning percentage. He's accurate. Has a quick release. That's it. That's all I can think of. Oh, he's a locker room guy, if that means anything. The negatives? This takes super long, but it's more than the positive. Uh, he's regressed. Face it, folks. Ever since he signed that contract, they said he went ghost. This was what the reports were saying, and nobody, and nobody could um, get in contact with him. That's not a good sign to have, man. He's regressed ever since he signed that contract because after that contract, he stayed hurt and he didn't work on any of his mechanics or his throwing motion or you know, learning to avoid pressure. 2020, 2019, he had a good year, but you can still see that he was struggling with some stuff. He had a good year in 2019, a very good year. Actually, he had a better year in some categories than other quarterbacks. Then 2020 came, you know, it seemed like he reverted to his 218 ways. It was, you know, jittery, holding the ball, wouldn't get rid of the ball. He, he didn't read defenses and stuff. And, and plus his skill set is limited. So what the Niners are looking at is the big picture. You know, we could take a step back with a young and experienced quarterback, but his ceiling is so high. You know, Trey's floor is Jimmy's ceiling. Nah, let's go with the higher ceiling. You know, and Jimmy's as good as he's going to get. I'm sorry, folks. Sorry, Jimmy G fans, but it's the truth. You put him on any other team that doesn't have the talent that, that um, the Niners have, you know, he's not going to thrive in Seattle. He'll thrive in Cleveland, but he's not going to thrive in with the Giants. Those are the only three teams that, that, that are probably looking for a quarterback and maybe the Jets. The Jets, uh, they got some talent, but I don't know if Jimmy's good enough to, you know, elevate that talent to the next level. 
All right, man, we got to wrap things up, but we got to, uh, I wanted to talk about the topics of, you know, the league, but, um, you know, ain't nothing to talk about, but Deshaun Watson and this new report with the bills and stuff. And I don't even want to get into that, but what other topics is there to talk about? You know, any of them, because I got to wrap things up on this, uh, recording because I've only got a maximum of about 60 minutes per recording. And maybe I can come back in another segment and talk about that. But until then, you know, I'd rather not. This was strictly about the Niners. So, you know, I'm going to wrap this up. Again, thank you all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And I'll see y'all soon, hopefully. You know, go Niners. Peace.